This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Welcome to Cosmic Potato. The Super Fan Talk Podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Come to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by the NRA. The NRA, we do our part. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you guys noticed. I did catch that, yeah. <laughs> was it, I think it was, uh, the, was it The Invisible Man? It was one of the, one of the three movies we're watching. Oh, tonight. yeah. It started, yeah, the first thing you see is Man. The NRA. We do our part. <laughs> you certainly do, NRA. Thank you very much. I, 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 I meant uh, I meant to look up whether that was the National Rifle Association or if it was something else. But uh, I was I was just assuming. I didn't even think about that. I'm just assuming. The the, the image made it look like the National Rifle Association to me. Yeah. I think it yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. And sitting across the virtual table from me is a man that needs no introductions. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it is John Irons. How are you, sir? I feel like I feel like you gave up just now. You should have you should have stuck with it and just <laughs> well, and then yeah. Then you, but then, but then you said something. <laughs> I was just gonna. No, I was just gonna no, let the just... silence carry for a minute. But <laughs> fine. And joining us as usual is Rick. How's it going? Ooh, spooky stuff, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> And joining us from the World War G podcast, we have Troy Wood. How's it going? Pretty good, thanks. And this is uh, this is our classics episode that we do every month. And usually, what we do is uh, we take three movies from the IMDb 100 greatest movies of all time that list, and uh, and, and we talk about three of those films. Uh, we decided to take a break from that list this month because it's October, it's and we wanted to do a Halloween type episode. So. We're going to take. We're going to talk about some classic monster movies, um, and my first inclination was to go with the big three and just talk about Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman. But I decided to um, involve the audience, and I put a poll on fa- on our Facebook group. By the way, if you want to join that group, go to Facebook and search for the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network, and you'll find us. So. We didn't have a ton of voters. I think less than 10 people actually voted. <laughs> but we did have uh, three pretty clear winners. So um, I think we'll talk about them in, chron- in chronological order. The Invisible Man from 1933, The Wolf Man from 1941, and Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954. Yeah, what's all this? Keep back there. Keep back me? Do you know who you're talking to? I give you a last chance to leave me alone. Give me a last chance. You've committed assault, that's what you've done, and you can come along to the station with me. Come along now, come quietly, unless you want me to put the handcuffs on. Stop where you are. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. Come on. Get all of it. 
Lock him up. All right, you fools. You've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. There's a souvenir for you. And one for you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> Look, he's all eaten away. Huh? How do you like that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, so The Invisible Man from 1933, starring Claude Rains, Gloria Stewart, and Henry Travers, directed by James Whale. He's also the guy that directed Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, the The IMDb uh, plot says that this movie is about a scientist that finds a way of becoming invisible, but in doing so, he becomes murderously insane. Which is, a, I mean, that's a pretty... I'd say that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. Accurate, <laughs> yeah. yep. So, uh, all right, so John, uh, give me an overall view, an overall feel of what you've thought of this movie. Uh, I actually enjoyed this movie. Um, I liked it more than I thought I would. It was funnier than I thought it would be. Um, was it purposely funny? I mean, was it supposed to, <laughs> were they trying to be funny? Yeah, the... yeah. Right. I, I thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it was very he was very much like the Joker I felt like he was like these these small bits of mayhem and the large chaotic murderous mayhem were all kind of the same to him um, and I did not think I'd never seen this film mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think that he was going to be as destructive um, like <laughs> like so completely insane as he was mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly not like that quickly like I, I felt like maybe it would kind of escalate but he was I mean pretty much as soon as he had the opportunity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to cause great damage he did so with glee um, and I was I mean I guess I like I, I checked the running time before we started and it's only the movie's only a little over an hour yeah, all these movies are pretty short compared to compared to modern day. I mean, they're all like an hour, hour and fifteen yeah. minutes, something like that. I, yeah, I think I think this might have been the shortest one. It was like an hour and ten or something like that. Yeah. Um, and and it, you know, I mean, I'm, I guess you could probably say this about all of them, but it, it, it felt like a really good uh, Twilight Zone. Um, and and you didn't know. I mean, I had an inkling. I had a pretty good idea what was going to happen, but I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, which was which was uh, which was nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Troy, what about you? What, what was your overall feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, this was my first time also seeing this. Um, this was actually we we picked the two Universal monster films I had never seen: Creature from Black Lagoon and this one. And, um, yeah, I, I really like this one. It was, it was odd, 
Um, it, the way that uh, Claude Rains portrayed his character in The Invisible Man, I think, was very... He was making a lot of choices, a lot of big choices. <laughs> um, but I liked it, though. It, it fit. You know, you could, you could tell that he was going more and more insane and, and, you know, the performance kept getting bigger and bigger and the way that he would um, kill with such, you know, reckless abandon and stuff like that. It, it was... In, in if This movie feels a lot different, a lot more different than the other um, Universal Monster films. Um, whereas this is more just kind of a, a crazy dude just killing people instead of like a big monster <laughs> yeah. or something like that it was just some crazy guy and it was it was interesting and it was it was almost refreshing in a way i guess you could say yeah i can, i never really i haven't seen i had not seen this movie before this either but i remember when i was a kid at halloween they would always like at school they would always hang up pictures of monsters and stuff as halloween decorations and they were usually what we consider the the universal monsters: Frankenstein, Dracula, the Mummy. And they would you would see a picture of the Invisible Man, and I never found him scary. Right. But I never real I, I thought of the, of the Invisible Man more of a uh, that's like a really cool superpower he can be invisible. But <laughs> but I never really thought about the well, he's he's invisible, but he's also crazy, <laughs> you know, kind of aspect of it, but. Yeah, uh, Rick. What about you? Had, had had you seen this movie before this? I had, but not since I was a kid. Yeah. Um. So it's been you know probably I can't I can't tell you exactly when I remember distinctly watching it because the scene, <clears throat> excuse me, the scene where uh, the Invisible Man and I I, I I did recently rewatch all three, but that was the first one I watched. I can't remember the character's name, uh, Claude Rains. Um, it was Jack. Uh, what well, I've got it written down here somewhere. Jack Griffin. That was his name. Griffin. Yeah. Griffin. Yeah. Where, where Griffin is telling the sniveling dude how he's going to die as he pushes the car off the cliff. Mm-hmm. I remember that scene. Um, although I thought I remembered it being much longer and with more description, because it it struck me then as I think maybe I was like somewhere between eight and twelve years old. Uh, just the, the the coldness of it. Uh, the the you know I'm going to kill you. This is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and then he did it. Yeah. And it was so chilling to me. Um, that kind of set the stage for for that that sort of uh, not just disregard for human life, but a, a contempt for a human being. Uh, that that scares me more than almost anything else. Um, I didn't recall, as, as uh, both John and Troy have said, um, what an absolute bastard mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he was. Um, I, I I didn't do any research on this because, you know, research. <laughs> but, um, this could arguably be one of the earliest slasher fix because or films rather because if you just take away the MacGuffin of him being invisible, he's just a dude who is not afraid to kill people, uh, and actually seems to enjoy killing people. Um, you know, I was surprised that they, uh, especially given the time that this this film was made, although I keep forgetting there's this sort of a 
uh, when I was looking at, I, I did do some research. I'm, I'm kidding about that. Uh, this was a pre-code film. Yeah, the Hayes Code. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, it, you know, they weren't quite as uptight about things like nudity and 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 violence and stuff before uh, suddenly mothers groups got all bent out of shape but uh, so but I got a kick out of how he was like you know uh, you know this really sucks having to wander around naked give me a, something to wear you dumbass <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead I'm sorry so so yeah I, I I liked it but I was kind of taken aback by the lack of sympathy for him because he was not at all a sympathetic character yeah right yeah which is the, the one part of him that I think classifies him as as a monster you know he, yeah because i mean without that he's just a dude that had a lab accident and it's any any other uh 30s 40s sci-fi you know b movie or whatever um that's that's actually pretty much um i've seen you know maybe three or four different takes and film versions of you know the invisible man and it's it's always been um, he he is more sympathetic. He is more of a victim mm-hmm. of this thing happened to him, and and maybe over the course of the movie, he goes more and more insane, or he, or he gets drunk with the power of it. But it's it's much more of a gradual process, and and you do start out kind of on his side and feeling bad for him, and maybe that happened before you know this movie picks up. But yeah, by the time you know we're in the first scene, actually no, the very the very first scene when he when he goes to um, rent the room mm-hmm. and he just wants to be left alone, you know you're basically you're okay. He he's got this affliction. He's trying to fix it. You know, Godspeed. And basically from the from the instant there was a confrontation, he well. I'm not gonna say the F word, but he's like <laughs> F word it <laughs> yeah. F word you, F word this village, <laughs> F word this hotel, F word you policeman, F word all you policemen. <laughs> F word that train. Yeah, the, the F word that barn. The that thing barn. was that his uh <laughs> the whole plot is that he's a scientist and he's been doing experiments on how to make some make a person invisible and he has this herb from uh which they kept calling it a herb and I was like it's not you know, it's not herb it's herb <laughs> and uh British <laughs> say the h uh, yeah that's true that's true but he um in which I had I had written down what it was called and I don't have it, I, it right in front of me but um this stuff is supposed to take the pigment out of things and mixed with some other chemicals it makes him invisible but it also drives him insane but the the insanity part is is a lot more gradual it doesn't you're not instantly insane when you take this stuff but we also don't really know how long it had been from when he took the took the serum he, he, to this point he said that he said that um he took it a dose under the skin for i think he said a month yeah, so say he had been doing it for a while. Yeah. So he may have been too far gone to ever be able to find an, an antidote by that point. He is, we were talking, Ricky, you were talking about his, um, lack of compassion for human life. He is, uh, responsible for 122 deaths in this movie. 
he murders <laughs> he murders he murders four people yeah. on screen. He murders uh, eighteen search party members off screen, and then he causes the derailment of a train that had a hundred people on it. Yeah. So he's responsible for one hundred twenty-two people's uh, deaths by the end of the movie. So. One thing about the film I found very surprising is the very strange separation between the uh, the the protagonists of the of the film, uh, you know, the scientists, uh, the 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 girlfriend, um, and they were all very you know well spoken, educated people, and then all of the other people in the film were absolute idiots. Especially the police. Yeah, yeah. The villagers <laughs> the, were kind the, of cartoonish. Yeah. yeah, they were just caricatures, you know. The chief of police, I, I, or what's all this whoever, then? <laughs> yeah, not not the first guy, not the guy who gets killed, <laughs> but like the 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 one who ultimately ends up running the investigation. Um, he he was as confident <laughs> as you. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I did not expect this. Th- there was a lot of humor in this film, and I guess they kind of had to do it, so it's just not a you know completely dark. Um, but the cops are basically Keystone cops, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's one guy at the head of them who's like, "Get your shit together." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt there. There was a big contrast between comedy. And uh, seriousness, because and it didn't always mesh together. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. It's like they were trying to do both in the same scene sometimes, uh, with because they've got these comedic characters and they're interacting with their more serious characters and all that. But um, I got to call out one thing that struck me, and it's it's a continuity error. Was is what it is. But so Griffin kills a policeman. This is towards the beginning of the movie. He hits him with a chair, and the, and the guy dies. Then in the next scene, we see somebody reading about it in the newspaper. Like yes. it, says, it says in the newspaper, like, like an hour later, policeman died. <laughs> and then when they cut back, so I'm thinking, okay, well, this is the next day. Then they cut back and they're still working the crime scene. Yeah. So yeah. Then they, they take the body away. I'll caught that too. Yeah. This is the best newspaper in the world. They were, I mean, <laughs> they can write the story and print it and circulate it before the police are even finished <laughs> clearing the. Well, story. I was I was thinking, okay, well maybe maybe it's not like you know you, you gotta you gotta think uh, like 1930s. It's it's not like the paper. It's this village's little paper. So, so this thing happened, and then they ran it. And because if you look, the paper was only like a couple of pages. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we got a story. What? What do you mean a story? Yeah. No, really, we've got a story. We got to print this. I think yeah. it, they, I think they, they printed it out and just kind of passed around, but it's more like flyers. Yeah, I think it's more likely <laughs> that that scene was supposed to come later, and then when they edited it all together, they they moved it up and didn't really <clears throat> didn't really think about it. But um, but yeah, the, the, the violence in this it was it was pre code. Some of the violence in this movie really struck a nerve with me. It was like Griffin knocking over that baby stroller. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> that was. And then, and then they didn't even do the old trope where the where you find out the stroller was full of cans. Or something no, like that, you know, there was a baby. He did yeah. not give one shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then I and I've got to give. I mean, kudos to Claude Rains for his performance because he's not even on screen ninety eight percent of the movie. And but he's still such a menacing character 
like you were saying, Rick, uh, when when he when he tells Kemp, he's like, "I'm not going to kill you right now. I'm going to kill you tomorrow at ten o'clock." <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, that is savage. <laughs> and then the way he kills him, everybody has a thing about. Um, I mean, no, everybody is scared of death, but everybody has a thing of. I hope I don't go out that way. I hope I'm not murdered. I hope I'm not shot. My thing is, I hope I don't burn alive. <laughs> you know? And then Kemp was basically burned alive, you know. And, That's a good yeah. one to not want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Troy, we're talking all around you. You got anything to, to throw in? Um, <clears throat> no, just a, a couple of things I, I noticed and I appreciated. Um I, I like the fact that he was already uh, invisible, basically, when, when he first showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really waste any time with that, which was which was nice. Um, also appreciated the the simplicity in the effects. I mean, they were, they were done really simply, but I, like like at, at the end when the hay was moving and it was supposed to be mm-hmm. him getting up obviously they were just blowing the hay around to soft screen but i don't know there's something oddly charming about it um because they were so simple but at the same time you know the the fact it worked and the fact that they did it back in 1933 Mm -hmm. and were able to do it i think speaks quite a bit to uh, the filmmakers and everybody involved, I think it's quite it's quite the undertaking, and uh, pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, that yeah. Whole, that whole um, w- okay. So like when he was changing clothes, when he would take his clothes off, and like his head wouldn't be there, and yeah, and stuff like that. You know, digging around behind the scenes, that's like an early form of green screen that they did. Uh, mm-hmm. They basically had him stand in front of black velvet. And then they covered all of his visible skin with black velvet, and then they just filmed his clothes. And he would take mm-hmm. he would take his clothes off and stuff yeah. like that. And then they would go back and they would superimpose that over the film, and uh, which is I mean it's it, it's simple, and you can you can obviously tell that it's a that it's an effect. It doesn't look real at all in yeah. 2018, but for a, a an audience in the 30s, that was probably pretty impressive. I, I was, you know, I mean, yes, it is quaint by our standards because, mm-hmm. you know, we're used to CGI and stuff. But I think it worked remarkably well. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. In that, the context, was not significantly improved on for another like fifty years. We basically and, do the same thing. Now. I was about to say, and frankly, we still do, right? It's, yeah, because yeah. they just they just put a if if somebody. Uh, like you know, I was watching The Walking Dead last night. And there was a character that had to have his uh his arm cut off. Um, and base and I know basically they take a green sock and they put it over his arm and they erase mm-hmm. his arm from the film, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they're basically doing the same thing there. I also, I'm going to say basically four more times in this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I also learned watching this movie that I could sit and listen to Claude Rains read a phone book. Yeah, I love <laughs> his voice. Yeah, yeah. Unlike um, Rick. Who only claimed to not do any research? <laughs> I did zero research, and I was. I, I'm, I'm. I'm counting on you to have looked up the answer to this question, Sean. <laughs> did they have to? Um, did Did they have to talk him into a role where he would have like eight seconds of screen time? 
No, not Claude Rains. Actually, um, they wanted Boris Karloff for this for this role. No, yeah, yeah, Karloff's Boris Karloff. Said F word. Yeah, Boris Karloff, <laughs> and he wouldn't take it because of exactly that. He was not going to be on screen for most of the movie, so he didn't want to do it. And uh, well, but, let's let's clarify something before we go too much further. Claude Rains was on screen a lot. You just didn't see his face. Well, the well, that, 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 then he's not on screen. No, 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 no. The scenes where he was wrapped up in bandages, it was him. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. But it's kind of yeah, like yes, the thing. It, it's kind of like the thing that they do now. You've got uh, uh, Robert uh, RDJ. I love Robert. <laughs> Why can't I think of? His I like name? His, I like his early work. <laughs> anyway, Who Iron Man. About? Iron Man. Oh, Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. There you go. And he um, he plays Iron Man, but they don't want to have him covered up in an Iron Man costume through the whole movie. So they find all these ways to get him out of the costume. Yeah. You know. Which I, what was that? Sorry, that was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had that second burrito for dinner. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure which... To tell you the truth, I don't know enough about my 1930s movie stars to know how big of a star Claude Rains was at the time. He wasn't. Yeah, so if it had, if it had been a bigger name, they probably wouldn't have been able to get get him to agree to be in a film where his face wasn't going to be seen until the very end of the movie. Right. You know, yeah. this this was the film that put him on the map, really. Yeah. Uh, basically. Basically. <laughs> See, I said it too. <laughs> I've got some. Uh, some behind the scenes things but before before I do that let's uh, let's give our rating I'm going to give the movie uh, three and a half stars which is really for, for me that's pretty good it means that I enjoyed the movie it means that I would watch the movie again and it means that I recommend it uh, to other people so um, so three and a half stars for me what about you Troy um, <clears throat> I'm going to give it I'm going to give it three stars myself because they seem to be taking uh uh, a lot of, I don't want to say risks, but you know, it was, said it was pre-code, so it didn't seem like they cared that much about what they did. And because of that, it was it was actually really entertaining. Uh, it, it really didn't drag. It wasn't really that boring. And yeah, it was it was fun. So three for me. Okay, Rick. Uh, yeah, I think three and a half is good. Uh, um, story-wise. You know, I did have a problem with the fact that the the film kind of couldn't make up its mind if it wanted to be a comedy or or horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I know that's you know we're still in the vaudeville era, uh, so we're getting some of that bleed over into films. Um, but the visual effects were awesome, and Claude Rains was beautifully unhinged. Uh, I, I, you know, I have to take a little bit away from the fact that. Uh, the, the, the girlfriend uh, in all of these movies kind of suffer from the same thing of the women are really just set piece they're, they're, they're props uh, they're, they're utterly inconsequential to the, to the storyline mm-hmm. um, I mean yes there's a little bit of you know oh I'm going to talk to my girlfriend because I love her yeah. uh, but ultimately her, her influence was, was negligible um, and you know it, it's easy to say oh well that was a product of, of its time but not necessarily because there were other films that did this better um, and there was really no moral to this story not that every film needs to have a moral to the story but 
you know, I think this film was more of a technical triumph than a than than a uh, a, a, a one of writing. Although, uh, one thing that I'd like to mention is that the author H.G. Wells, who wrote the original book that this was based on, was very pleased with the movie. Although he was not happy with the fact that it was the drugs that drove uh, the Invisible Man insane. Because in his book, he was just a bastard from the get go. Yeah, he was he was crazy the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Kemp he did not kill Kemp in the book. Right. He yeah. tried to, and uh, and somebody saved him. Um, so they changed they changed that as well. And he also he didn't have a fiance and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and it was set like sixty years later than it was in the book. But H. Right. G. Yeah. Wells was writing. In the you know mid eighteen hundreds and kind of setting things contemporarily to himself, you know another thing, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to you in just a second. I just this reminded me of something. Um, sound design has changed a lot in the last eighty years or so because I've noticed a lot in some of these old older black and white movies that we're watching. They don't try at all to hide little noises. Like somebody walking up the stairs, and somebody's walking up the stairs in a movie like this. It's clonk, 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 clonk <laughs> up the <laughs> stairs, you know. And now, you know, we're uh, a lot more uh, cognizant of stuff like that, and try to try to drown some of that stuff out. But sorry, <laughs> John. What about, what's your rating? <laughs> um, I actually agree. I'm going to give it a, a three and a half. Um. I, I, I was I was engrossed in this film. Um, I, I pretty much agree with everything everyone said. Like Rick, I, you're you're totally correct about the. Uh, I hesitate to even call her the female lead. She was she was she was, uh, and I felt like she was also the only one who was really kind of overacting. I mean, and, and as as weird as that is to say in a film where that's so over the top in so many ways I felt like she was the only one who, who did the kind of stereotypical 30s uh, uh, you know overly dramatic silent film acting well if I think if I'm remembering right she was the big name in the movie which is kind of sad yeah um, yeah yeah other than uh, <laughs> other than um, uh, Henry Travers who uh the only other thing that I, that I've seen him in, he played Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. Now I know he he he's played in tons of other things. Those are those are the only two movies I've seen with with him in. Um, I also I I I like that in the credits they kept calling him the Invisible One, but they didn't <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give his name it was the Invisible One. Like 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 you would miss him because he's invisible. Like you wouldn't know who you were talking about. <laughs> I'm like, no, I got it. It's, it's about the invisible guy. Yeah. I know. And, uh, I like that. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. I like that the car just burst into flame as soon as it went off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> there was no reason that the car would burst into flame. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, to me, it was, this is like watching a movie. This is like watching a Joker movie. He was mm-hmm. he was nuts. It was, it was like if the Joker was invisible. <laughs> oh god, and the invisible Joker. Yeah, there's a story. We'll, hey. we'll, we'll begin with the Reign of Terror. Don't Let's say it too, don't say it too loud. DC may be listening, and they'll make that movie. 
They should. <laughs> they should. That would be... Well, if it's animated, it'll be good. Well, I, I got a kick out of his robbing the bank where he just t- takes a drawer out of the till. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody notices this drawer floating. Yes, um, above, well, it was above their heads, so clearly... <laughs> that's the thing about... And then, and, that's the thing about being invisible. You can't really get away with anything because you can't steal anything. Because anything that you steal is just going to be floating down the street, and people will see it. So. Yeah, you got to be you got to be crafty. And then he, and then he just threw the money yeah. because it's chaos. That that was his whole. Thing. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. Yes, at, go, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go no, ahead. no, no. That's fine. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that my list of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, I'm looking at it, and all of the stuff has come up <laughs> during our conversation. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I I did watch another movie just because I had a little extra time this past weekend. I watched The Invisible Man Returns because it was on Stars. By the way, all the movies that we're, watching, that we're talking about this week are available on Stars right now. So if you have Stars, they've got all these movies, and they've actually got a few... Uh, others like they're, they're showing Dracula and they're showing Frankenstein and you know all the classic monster movies are on Stars this month so go and check and that if, out. So if you don't have Stars but you have Amazon Prime, you can rent it for like a dollar ninety. Yeah, a couple bucks, which is what I did. So also I, probably available at your local library. <laughs> probably, yeah. The Invisible Man Returns came out in 1940, and it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't as savage as this one. This is about a different guy. Uh, regardless of calling it The Invisible Man Returns. Vincent, I was hoping. I would have been annoyed. I'm like, his ending was pretty clear. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well... I'm, he should not be returning. Well, I'll remind you of that when we start talking about the Wolfman in a few minutes. But uh, <laughs> the Vincent Price voiced uh, the character of... I think his name was Jeffrey Radcliffe in this movie. And uh, he's in jail. He's... They, uh, He's on suspicion of uh, killing his, his his brother. And he gets some help from Dr. Frank Griffin, who is Jack Griffin's brother. And uh, so Frank Griffin gives him some of the serum to help him escape from jail so that he can go and find the real killer. And in the meantime... <laughs> is this stuff safe? Totally safe. Yeah, yeah. It, well, in the, in the meantime, while he's out trying to solve this crime, he's working on a antidote so that he can keep him from going crazy that's the whole thing we we got it we've got to help him before he goes insane and uh it Radcliffe doesn't turn into a killer he doesn't kill anybody in this movie uh they keep him more as a sympathetic character than than they did with uh with Griffin but it was a good movie I mean I I wouldn't give it three and a half stars I'd probably give it two and a half stars but if you if you liked the invisible man there's probably some stuff in the second one that you'll that you'll like as well so what, one thing I'd like to say. Oh, sorry. No, I was I was gonna say I I like that one, so I'll probably I'll probably give the sequel a watch. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean it's, it's decent. One one thing I'd like to just give kudos to before we move on is the final scene of the film <clears throat> when uh, Griffin becomes visible after he dies, uh, where his skull becomes visible first. Yeah. And then, then that was cool. For 1933, that was a really nice effect. I was very mm-hmm. impressed with that. Yeah, in the in the second one, they kind of did the same thing, but they went a little bit further with it because when he starts to become visible, you can see, you can actually see his veins first 
you know, mm-hmm. and then his, and then you see his muscles and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. And but it was it was obvious animation. You know, it's a it's a drawing <laughs> of some veins. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we're going to take a break right here. We're going to play a couple of commercials for a couple of shows that you can find here on the network. And when we come back, we're going to talk about The Wolfman from 1941. We'll return after these messages. Hey, you listener. Do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania you hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheeling dealing! Limousine like Jet flying! Son of a gun! Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be! Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero! My hero, John Cena. The champ is here! Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Review Mania right here on CosmicPotato.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. Arriba! Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we are the hosts of the World War G podcast, along with Colton, but he's not here right now. Yes, yeah, so pay no attention. Uh, and we're a podcast about everything geek. We talk about uh, movies, television, video games, comic books. Uh, we got movie commentaries, the occasional taste tests, like these lovely pina colada Oreos. Just don't try the Coke ones. No. Dang, what do we say after that? <laughs> Dang it. Um... So oh, okay. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can find us right here at cosmicpotato.com or at worldwarg.podbean.com or wherever else you get your podcasting fix. And as always, stay geeky, my friends. What a hectic night, wasn't it? Yes. What's that? All right. That's a charm. I just saw the old gypsy woman. They give you quite a sales talk, don't they? Let me see. With the pentagram. Yes. She said that I was a werewolf. Oh, but surely you don't believe it. Gwen, I won't need this. I want you to have it. It'll protect you. Protect me? From home? Me? Just in case. I never accept a present without giving something in return. Here's a penny. That isn't enough. Not the Wolfman from the 70s. No. Or the Wolfman <laughs> from, uh, what was the one with uh, Del Toro in it? What, oh, it's called like, Wolfman or something. Oh, like that. Wolfman, yeah. That was the first movie I, my wife and I ever watched on demand. We got our first HD TV, and boy, was that a letdown! <laughs> I, I've never seen it. I started to watch it for this, and I just. I'm about I to say that's on Stars too. I think. Yeah. 
Oh, it's terrible. So, it's so bad. <laughs> the Wolfman. Go I was ahead. Talking about the Wolf. I was talking about um, Wolfman Jack, the DJ. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or the oh, Wolf. Yeah. The Wolf with, uh, or just Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. 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 Uh, Wolfman. From What's 19- the one with Ellen Page? There was one with Ellen Page. Where she played was... a werewolf. Uh, yeah. I don't, remember that. I don't know. Oh, it was her. She and her brother were like. Not her, not her real brother, but she, the the character she played. Ellen Page, Juno, Ellen Page. Yeah. yeah. Could it have been someone you thought was Ellen Page? Maybe it <laughs> yeah. must be because I'm looking <laughs> at her IMDb and it's there's just nothing there. Yeah, I'm looking on uh, Wikipedia and I don't see anything that's striking. Well, what 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 was the plot of the film? Uh, oh no no, it wasn't Ellen Page. It was, <clears throat> it was uh, oh oh Christina Ricci. Sorry, sorry. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, I will find it. Um, uh, Not that I'm doubting you, but are you sure it wasn't Winona Ryder? <laughs> yes, I'm positive it wasn't Winona Ryder. <laughs> All right, it's cursed. Yeah, she made a movie called Cursed. Yes. Yeah, I have heard of that movie. I have not seen. I it. may have seen 2005. that. That's, yes, because um, what's her name from from Bill and Shannon Elizabeth gets her head bitten off. Oh, it's a Wes Craven movie. Okay, and produced yeah. by Kevin Williamson. I probably would like that. I need to watch that. I feel like I almost saw that, like, but I think I fell asleep on it. That's why I have no memory of it. Joshua but I, Jackson, I think I, was, Jesse I remember Eisenberg, intending to see it. Judy Greer. I can't say it was a good movie. <laughs> okay. Um, but I saw it because Christina Ricci, because I love Christina Ricci. Sure. The Wolfman came out in 1941, and it starred uh, Claude oh, Rains. Are we doing this now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no, what we're talking no, about. No, no back from commercial, no... <laughs> Wow. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> He's like, it's late. Let's get the shit going. No. <laughs> Lon Chaney Jr. and Evelyn Anchors. I want to, I guess, Anchors. Uh, directed by George Wagner. And IMDb says that the movie is about a practical man that returns to his homeland and is attacked, attacked by a creature of folklore and infected with a horrific disease his disciplined mind tells him cannot possibly exist. So, if there was one of these movies that I had heard about the most without actually seeing it, it was probably this one because the werewolf is so ingrained. And I mean, we've all, whether or not we've seen The Wolfman, we've all seen werewolf movies or werewolf Mm -hmm. TV shows. We've all seen Teen Wolf or, you know, uh, uh, American Werewolf. American in Werewolf in London. Yeah, something that that comes from this, you know, or cursed with Christina Ricci. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we consider werewolf folklore really comes from this movie more than it comes from uh, actual folklore. You know, pretty much all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, Lon Chaney. Okay. Lon Chaney did a great, a good job in this role, but he's not the character that I thought it would be. If this movie were made now, the character would be play, played by somebody a lot younger that would look more like a model, a Chris Hemsworth or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Lon Chaney looks like somebody that sells used cars. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, that's true. And an Uber uh, creeper. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way, don't look through women's bedroom windows with a telescope. <laughs> 
And if you do, don't tell them you did it. Yeah, if you do, don't tell them about it. And here's a tip: this dude was a masher. Here's a tip to say for young ladies: if a man tells you that he's been looking through your bedroom window with a telescope, don't keep talking to him. He's a predator. <laughs> don't go after him. Yeah, especially Miss, aren't you engaged? Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, there was there was a lot that was just. <laughs> Yeah, he he was not a sympathetic character to me. <laughs> well, let's go around and see what everybody what everybody thought. I thought I liked the movie. The I did one thing that irks me about some of these older movies. It's not just this movie, but the big thing that you're watching for is like the smallest thing that happens. There's a lot of movie that happens before he turns into the Wolfman. And then after he turns into the Wolfman, not a lot happens. <laughs> you know, he he kills one guy and he feels bad about it, and then he gets killed. You know, <laughs> spoiler. Well, when, yeah. <laughs> hey, anybody that listens to the classic show, they know we're going to spoil these movies. So. Uh, but uh, Troy, what did you what did you think of the Wolfman? Well, this is a film I've seen several times. Um, it's. I saw it a lot as as a kid, and I remember it being one of my favorites. And then watching it again, uh, I realized just like you said, like oh, not not much happens, and it's it, it, that's one of those things that really bothers me with these older films uh, is that there's so much exposition and so much talking, and it's a, it's a film about a wolfman, so I want to see the wolfman. <laughs> you know, it's a film about the, the, well, well, we'll get to it, but the creature from Black Lagoon. I want to see that creature. You know, I don't, I don't need all the talking, and exposition, and and the the running, and everybody scared and all that. I just, you know, it, and it takes so long for him or for this plot to get going that it, it really drags in some parts, and uh, it, it's some parts were a little tough to get get through. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah. All right. What about you, John? What'd you think? Uh, just the overall summary. Or yeah, summary? overall summary. Um, of the three, it was my least favorite. Um, it was okay. It was it was okay. I I, I agree that there were, there wasn't as much Wolfman in it as I thought there would be, and like after like his transformation scene, if you want to call it that, was. Uh, anticlimactic <laughs> to say the least and then you didn't really see him do much you kind of see him kind of skulk around the woods and you know hit somebody uh, like you know bite somebody but but you don't really see I mean not that I want a lot of gore but I want to see him do something yeah run yeah. climb a tree howl something um, and the, the character before he transforms uh, he's a dick, like, <laughs> I, like in so many ways. And he's, you know, I this movie was like, it was like white privilege. The movie, <laughs> like old old white guys in a in a smoke filled room deciding the fate of the town. Well, let's not tell them. They're like, what? No, you can't. Yeah. No, it's a. I know that uh, you think you're a wolf man and you want to kill people, but yeah, sleep it off. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dear chief of police, no, 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 
Why don't you Why don't you let him? Uh, we should bring him in for questioning. Nah, how How about you don't? Okay, fine. I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for you, Jack. Yeah, you can tell who has the power in that town for sure, <sighs> Mister Potter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll have more to say later. <laughs> what about you, Rick? What do you think? Yeah, I, I gotta agree with with uh, John and Troy here. Um, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't have any trouble getting through it, uh, but I also just now realized, as we're talking about it, um, I had never seen it before. I've seen just about every other Wolfman movie, mm-hmm. but I had never seen this one. Uh, I thought I had, uh, but in watching it, uh, like for example, the, uh, the 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 poem that they repeat about a thousand times in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night can become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms, and the autumn moon is bright. I always thought it was, and the moon is full and bright, which is what it was retconned as a couple of movies later. Yeah. The whole full moon thing wasn't in this movie. Now, you know, like you said earlier, uh, you know, almost all of the quote-unquote wolfman lore, werewolf lore that we as Americans know came from Hollywood. But the big thing, the full moon, that was totally a Hollywood creation, but not even in the original movie. It's like a couple of movies away still to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Talbot's an asshole. I didn't care about him at all. Um, you know, yeah, I, I cannot add anything to what John <laughs> said. Uh, he's just, he's just a, a, a scumbag. I, the way they mix British and Russian and American and try to say they're all from the same place and uh, <laughs> the only performance I really liked in this film was Maria Ospenskaya. Is that the old gypsy lady? Yeah. Yeah, um, she was the good performance. And see, I, and, and see, I did not like her. I hated that. <laughs> I thought she was awful. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they gave her like this. <laughs> all right, we're giving you five lines and you're going to say them 14 times. Yeah, yeah. She was just kind of monotone and without in, in, emotion. Yeah, but I also the fact that she has the same exact accent as the woman who played T'Pau in the Star Trek episode <laughs> of Mock Time. Um, wow. And I was also disappointed that Bella Lugosi had such a small part in the film, and I'm sure I think he was too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the he was the gypsy man that got that got killed uh, very early on. He was the wolf, right? That yeah. that he yep. killed. Yeah, and I I appreciated that they were trying to create a sense of ambiguity as to whether or not Talbot was really a werewolf or whether he thought himself into being one but even that didn't work the original script the original script never actually showed the wolf yeah the original script was supposed to be even more ambiguous as to whether or not he, he was actually becoming a wolf or if he was just going crazy and killing people yeah you know so and and they thought, well, I think the audience is going to want to see a wolf, you know, since we're calling that wolf man. Um, They're right. They're the, right. Uh, that would have made them film worse. Yeah. yeah. And whereas we, we praised the special effects of the Invisible Man, which was made before this, eight years before this, uh, <laughs> the special effects in this movie were terrible. I mean, the makeup was okay for the time, but the way the transition 
It's like, we'll just, let's just show a picture of him, and then we're going to take another picture of him with a little more, more makeup on, and then another picture, <laughs> and just kind of bleed into the werewolf, and usually just his feet, not even his face. You know? Yes, the yeah. feet. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. And then all of a sudden, he's a wolf. So, um, But that's the thing. In the sequels is where we saw the facial transformation. Uh, and that's what I remember seeing. Um, and I remember I remember reading a lot of stories as a kid about how horrible this was for Lon Chaney Jr. And then looking into the, doing, doing the research for this, it turns out that he really exaggerated the F out of yeah. <laughs> what he went through in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, it, it didn't look, that makeup didn't look comfortable. That's no, sure. no, but it wasn't like 12 hours in a chair. There's like, he, he put, put forth this story that it one day, they were doing the transformation scene and they forgot he was there and they all went to lunch and he was stuck there for, for hours while they went to lunch and that's all BS. It never happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing is, his father, his father, Lon Chaney Sr., did put himself through hell for his makeup effects for things like the Phantom of the Opera and stuff that he did. So his son was kind of trying to, well, you know, my uh, I, I'm doing that stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you mentioned his father. The guy that played his father in this movie, they look like they're the same age. (laughs) I mean, they were like four years apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was a few years older in real life, but they look like they should be like brothers or like hanging out at the same. It was it was Claude Rains again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was him. Um, Okay, so they also kind of. the, the end of this movie kind of mirrored the end of the Invisible Man. The only way that he could break the curse was that he had to die and be killed, you know. Um, but, like I said before, this ending was completely erased by the uh, the sequels because instead of making a second Wolfman movie and making it about a different Wolfman, they brought him back to life. The movie that came out after this was called Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and uh, oh, wow. and uh, grave robbers come to the cemetery where he's buried, which is basically like the fa- the family cemetery. They dig him up, and they take the the wolf's bane out of his coffin, and when the moonlight hits him, it brings him back to life, and he turns into the wolfman and all that. And then he decides Makes total to, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then he he decides he's going to go see Victor Frankenstein and. And he's going to try and get him to help him and all that kind of stuff. And that's how they bring Frankenstein's monster into it and all that kind of stuff. So, And then they made more sequels. I think Lon Chaney played this character like six or seven times, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, All right. Uh, I give it uh, two and a half stars. Um, it wasn't great. It is considered to be a classic. A lot of the stuff that we know about uh, werewolves comes from this. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you might find some stuff in the in this movie interesting. But for the most, part, I, I don't. It's not something that I would recommend. If I was to to think of a werewolf movie that I would think somebody would enjoy, this wouldn't be the one that I would that I would give them. What about uh, what about you, Joy? Um. Yeah, watching it again. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably at two. 
um, it, it would it just it drug on in some parts and it just wasn't it wasn't as exciting as I remember as a kid, which is interesting because I thought as a kid I would find this movie even more boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it, it just it left me wanting a lot more. Um, I'll say that. Okay, Rick, what's your what's your score? Yeah, two. Um, you know, a lot of my uh, the 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 more I think about thanked, <laughs> the more I thought about it. Uh, and after watching the film, I realized that you know most of my memories are from sequels. Uh, and I just remember Larry Talbot just basically moping about and being sad. Uh, <laughs> and and. You know he deserves it. <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> um, I I can't even give this movie any excuses for it for it being a product of its time. It's just it's a badly written movie, but I think because it was the only thing doing it, it became a classic. I don't think it deserves it. Uh, so yeah, too. All right, and John. Um, I had initially did I watched this one first. Um, so I'd initially given it a, a, a 2.5, but then I saw the other two. I was like, no, you could have done better than this. So I'm giving you a two. Um, l- let me just quickly go through some of the other notes that I made. <laughs> some, let me go off on this movie a bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how you meet someone. First of all, like no Tinder, blah, 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 blah. But the intro, it makes no date for an ass. They're creepy as f. He never even bothered asking her name, and I wondered if she was wearing a red, wearing red, because the movie's in black and white. But I wonder if, if it was a Red Riding Hood reference, and that actually worked in the favor of this movie because his lecherous behavior is like, oh, well, that was the time. But in the context, you can say, okay, well, narratively, he's already got some wolf-like tendencies, so it kind of works, but it still doesn't make him look any better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the charm, the protective charm. He knows, or he suspects he's going to turn into a wolf. The old lady gives him a charm, and he gives it away immediately. <clears throat> what? Why <laughs> would the charm have kept him from turning into a wolf? If the charm worked, why didn't she give it to his... Her, it was her son, right? The the initial. Yeah. The, yeah. Why didn't he have a charm? <laughs> why did he transform completely into a wolf? While Lon Chaney just turned into a wolfy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, was 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 he a wolf longer? Why did the gypsies freak out when they? Oh, there's a werewolf! Like, there's been a werewolf the whole time. You didn't know? <laughs> You've been traveling with this guy. <laughs> he he signs your checks. You didn't know that he was a wolf. Yeah. All right, that's that's fine. And I guess ultimately, <laughs> depending on how you interpret it. I guess you could say the charm did protect her because the wolf attacked... Oh, oh, this is the one thing I did like about this film. Not the one thing, but that I, I thought was most interesting was the, 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 the Pentagon appearing on the next victim thing. I'd never seen that before. Um, I liked that it... Most of the, if not all of the werewolf stuff that I've seen has always treated it almost like a disease 
Oh, he's got lycanthropy. I mean, I've, there's a magical, there's a kind of a supernatural aspect to it, but it's more a physical thing. The moon hits, there's this reaction, you've, you've got this in your veins, and you transform physically. And the, the charm, and like you said, there, there not being a full moon thing in this film, it, it, it tied it more, it made it a much more magical kind of creature. Um, than I, I'm used to seeing. So I did like that it was unexpected in that way. But that's, that's like kind of the best I could, I got for this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The only, uh, the only behind the scenes thing that I really wanted to share was that, um, Evelyn. Oh, a- I'm sorry. One more thing. When he transforms, <laughs> <laughs> he's behind a tree. His first transformation, <laughs> his he's 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 behind a tree. I'm sorry, man. What the? F- I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. I'll edit it. That's some bullshit. Why? <laughs> we, you're, this is the scene we're waiting for this whole movie, and your face is behind a branch. It's like like a big <laughs> thick trunk of tree. Yeah, you couldn't move. They could like was that on purpose? Who? Why would you do that? Well, uh, that was also he started off in his he took his shirt off and he was in his wife beater, and then he took the time after transforming to put on that nice blue button down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. That's another. That's another editing. uh, This was supposed to happen later, kind of thing, you know. But and now that you mention it. Everybody's like, "Oh, let me see the scar. Let me see the scar." Oh, we got this little scar. Scars on heal overnight. He shows the scar to various people, but we, the audience, never get to see the scar. <laughs> and it, why? Why would you do that? Either let us see it, or don't mention it, or just say there is no scar. That's fine. Oh, he's cut. Oh no, there's no scar. Well, that's weird. He shouldn't have healed overnight. Fine, that would be fine. But apparently, according to somebody commenting on it. His scar is in the shape of a pentagram. Nobody thought that was weird? <laughs> what animal has a pentagram bite? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm dropping you down to a one. <laughs> That's what say. John has some issues with this movie. <laughs> the more I think about this film, the dumber it feels to me. And I, and I think I was probably kind of cutting this. Like, like I said, I watched this one first, and oh, it's a classic. I hadn't seen any of the three of these before, uh, before I hadn't this either. show. Yeah. And I and I was I think I was cutting in a lot of well things were different back in the day slack but no things could have been good back in the day that's that's on you. Evelyn Anchors had difficulty working with uh, Lon Chaney Jr. He was he was ticked <laughs> off at her because she was given his dressing room because the studio was punishing him for vandalizing studio property while he was drunk. And uh, he he was constantly irritating her. He nicknamed her Shankers, and he played juvenile practical jokes. He liked to sneak up behind her in full makeup and scare her. And there was also uh, the wolf that uh, that Talbot fights at the beginning uh, was actually played yeah. by his own dog. His he had a German Shepherd, and he played the wolf. And the Wolfman battled a bear in one scene that was cut because the bear ran away while they were filming. 
<laughs> and uh, and I guess uh, animal animal laws were not the same as they are now because nobody tried to catch the bear. They just let him go. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to the next film when you talk about animal. Yeah, animal yeah. So let's uh, so let's take another yeah. break. We'll listen to another uh, couple ads for shows here on the network, and when we come back, we'll talk about the creature from the Black Lagoon. After these messages, we'll be right back. So what's Captain Game Show? Well, the short answer is it's a podcast. The long answer is it's a light-hearted trivia wordplay thunderdome. I call this game Dark and Gritty Kids Natural Show. Born Sequel. What's my motivation? Epic bird play. Advertising 10101. Rhymecast. Mr. Dalek. Life coach. I'll come up with games, and my guests come up with answers. <laughs> He's got to put down the ducky if he wants to play the saxophone. Born monogamy. Wolfgang Puck is Darkwing Duck. Me Grimlock is Tupac. My little pony friendship is Magic Mike. Correct. <laughs> There's also improv, music, and an inordinate amount of rhyming. Good night, John Travolta, with Klingon-like hair. Good night, three percent rating. <laughs> you're tough, but you're fair. You can find Captain Game Show on CosmicPotato.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you normally get your podcast. Round one, round two, final round. What? I don't know where this is going, but I like it. Attention, people of Earth! There's a new podcast on the Cosmic Potato Network. You should check out. It's called Wait, You've Never Seen? I'm Shane. And I'm Virginia, and I have no idea what that was. I'm so sorry for the old-timey voice. I can't promise it won't happen again, though. So, Virginia and I will be taking turns watching movies that one of us has never seen. Because I grew up under a rock and have a lot of catching up to do. I am uncultured, so Virginia will be showing me musicals and old-timey movies. Again, we can be heard on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. And on our website at waityouveneverseen.com. See you then! Here it is, gentlemen. Exactly as I found it. It's amazing. It's incredible. Could it possibly belong to a Pleistocene man? Well, the chances are much greater that that hand belonged to an amphibian, Mark. One that spent a great deal of time in the water. Well, then how do you account for the structure of the fingers? Obviously for land use. What do you think, Dr. Matos? We can be sure of one thing. Whatever it was, it was very powerful. You say you have hopes of finding the rest of the fossil? As soon as I get a suitable expedition together. Well, why don't we make up the expedition? We're here now, and after all, it does come under the heading of our work, doesn't it, David? It certainly does. More and more, we're learning the meaning and the value of marine research. Look, look over here. This lungfish, the bridge between fish and the land animal. How many thousands of ways nature tried to get life out of the sea and onto the land. This one failed. He hasn't changed in millions of years. But here... Here we have a clue to an answer. Someday spaceships will be traveling from Earth to other planets. How are human beings going to survive on those planets? The atmosphere will be different. The pressures will be different. By studying these and other species, we add to our knowledge of how life evolved, how it adapted itself to this world. With that knowledge, 
Perhaps we can teach men to adapt themselves to some new world of the future. Nice speech, David, but there's still a practical side to it. If I sound brash and more like a banker than a scientist, try to remember that it takes money to run an institute like ours. A find of any real importance can be of great financial value to us also. Certainly your board couldn't disapprove. It certainly couldn't. Dr. Maia, you've got yourself an expedition. Good. We'll leave for Manaus in the morning. From there, we'll take a boat up river. All right, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954, starring Richard Carrison, Julia Adams, Richard Denning, and Antonio Moreno, directed by Jack Arnold. A strange prehistoric beast lurks in the depths of the Amazonian jungle. A group of scientists try to capture the animal and bring it back to civilization for study. Uh, I never really got that that's what they were trying to do. I think that's what one of the guys was trying to do. I think that's what everybody except, except yeah. <laughs> Paul, was that his name? Everybody except the uh, the boss was the money man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so we're going to go around the table and, and, and give an overall uh, feel of Mark, what they thought of this movie. Right. So I enjoyed this movie, but not really because of the story, because I felt like the story has been done so many times since this that even though this is where a lot of those tropes came from, it still kind of felt a little bit overdone. But not ju- not with creatures like this, but I feel like there are a lot of monster movies that have basically the same plot. Uh, a science expedition where they get attacked by some creature, you know. And this is where it started, and I, and I, and I get that. But, you know, I, I found myself knowing where it was going to go next, you know, what was going to happen. Um, but I felt the, the creature looked really good. Uh, it looked exactly like what it was supposed to be, an, an amphibian man, you know. Uh, so I liked the movie. I thought I thought it was a good movie, and I, I, I would recommend it. What about you, uh, Rick? What did you think of this? I love this film. I have loved this film since I was a kid. Uh, this was by no means the first secondary time I've watched it. Um, in fact, when you brought up this idea and you put up the poll, um, I voted for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, Several I, times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a great film. Um, I uh, I hadn't watched it in a few years, so it was it was a little bit of a, a, a revisit. Um, I think this movie is a lot like. Uh, alien, mm-hmm. in that it's a it, you know it's a, it, the script itself is pretty standard. You know it's standard horror movie fare. You know scientific expedition goes to find monster, monster kills everybody, um, kind of thing. Somebody's totally Darth Vadering into their microphone. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> Some heavy uh, breathing. Sorry. <laughs> um, That's the, the I'm more, like I said. I'm wearing the earbuds, so I think the mic part was closer to my mouth. Than... Um. But the design of the creature costume and the performance by oh, and I wish I could I knew his name offhand. Um, hang on, let me look it up. In the, in the costume, he was played by two different guys. Uh, yeah, Ben Chapman played him on land, and Rico Browning played him in the water. That's the one I was trying to remember, Rico Browning. And um, you know, the 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 creature on land was. You know, he kind of did sort of the Frankenstein thing. Yeah, wasn't too thrilled with it, but the underwater performance was great. Um, and he had to be able I, to hold know, his I liked breath that for four minutes to get some of those shots. 
Say what? He had to hold his breath for four minutes to get some yeah. of those shots. Yeah. yeah. Initially, there had there had been talk of putting an aqua lung in the costume, and the director was like, "Eh, no, <laughs> we'll just drown this dude." <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's it's got a very strong environmental message, which, as you say, has been done to death now. Not nearly enough because we're still killing the environment. But um, yeah. you know, this was kind of where it started. Uh, you know, I I have been a fan of the whole series because there's three movies: the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature, and The Creature Walks Among Us. Each one getting progressively more stupid, <laughs> but they're still fun. Um, I, I, again, you know, the the technical aspects of this film are amazing given the time that they were made. Uh, it was shot here in Florida, which I kind of get a kick out of. Um, you know. They were shooting it in a, in a, a, a Florida spring, uh, not too far from where I am, actually, which means the water was freaking freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the fact that uh, the the woman uh, Julie 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 Adams, she was credited as Julia Adams in the film. I can't remember her character's name was Kay, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I like that while she was, you know, the handy hostage, she wasn't just a scream queen. Uh, you know, she was competent, uh, at least by the standards of that era. Uh, it just uh, overall, I love this movie and the fact that the uh, the the guy who uh, the 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 scientist with the pipe and everybody smokes like chimneys in all of these movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, if if any of you are like that, dude looks familiar. Who the hell is he? He played uh, Mr. Lurie, the the guy who ran Space Station K seven in the Star Trek episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, okay. So yeah, I like this Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, John. What about you? What do you think? Um, I like this film a lot as well. Of the three, it was my favorite. Um. Uh, the 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 intro was unexpected, like the whole from the birth of the cosmos thing. I'm like, all right, okay, we're yeah, going there. It started right. with a Bible verse that threw me off. I was like, we're yeah. starting with Bible <laughs> yeah. verses. <laughs> let's start with the Big Bang. Yeah, and now let's go to this lagoon. <laughs> uh, I felt like um, again, I did no research, but this like. This film looked like it cost a lot in its day. Like you could, it was a this it was it's a really high quality uh, piece of filmmaking. Uh, like the the like um, unlike the African Queen, <laughs> <laughs> where I guess they shot on location, but I, I didn't really get a sense of it. Um, the the direction was better. The script is better. The acting is better, or it's very good. Um, the monster that didn't make make you wait forever to see the monster. The monster, like you said, you made the alien comparison. The monster is pretty much just doing its thing, you know. It in in my head, canon. It came out the first time because they unearthed they unearthed the the arm of its. Maybe not its mate, but another one of its species. It's the last of its kind. Mm-hmm. It, they unearthed it. The scent comes out. He's like, oh, is there someone else here? And as far as he knows, 
they killed this thing. And so that's why he killed the two guys at the camp. Then goes back to its lagoon, and it's, it's largely trying to hide or protect itself. Um, way more, <laughs> way more sympathetic creature than the Wolfman. Yeah. Um, I like that uh, when people did stupid things, the other characters called them out. That was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I like that the plans that they made were smart plans. That like I always appreciate in a horror or action movie when the things that the characters do is what I would do. I was like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. Let's try this. Okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try that. Okay, well, that worked. Let's do that and that other thing. And they, they, as I was plotting through what I would do, it's what they were doing, which, (laughs) because I'm me, means the film was great. Um, (laughs) There was eye candy for the men and the women in the audience. Yeah, nice. dude spent the whole film naked, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And, and like you said, again, in contrast to the other female leads of the other two films, uh, she was she was up here. You know, she wasn't just um, the one to 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 you know <laughs> be protected to swim to swoon on the fainting couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because the situation is so dire. <laughs> uh, they had one asshole character, and he, he. But but even in his assholiness, his points were kind of valid. Like I, it, it was it was a yeah, good show, good movie. He, he was kind of like the Carl Denham character from from uh, King Kong. Yeah, yeah. I take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that uh, kind of took me out of it is when the creature would come out of the water and he would start doing the gasping thing that an amphibian man would do, you know, where he's opening his mouth. I yeah. can see the actor in, in the mouth. Oh, right. I can yeah. see his mouth in there, you know, and that, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Other than that, I really liked the, the way the creature looked and everything. Uh, what about you, Troy? What'd you think? Um, uh, yeah, just just to echo what everybody else has said, I I really like this movie as well. Um, and uh, and like you were saying, not not just for the story, but for the technical aspect. Uh, you know, I kept looking at him swimming around in the water, and, and again, I I was thinking that looks. I bet that was so uncomfortable. And I think I read somewhere he was in that suit for fourteen hours a day, and mm-hmm. it was yeah. I guess if it was in Florida, it was freaking hot. It was just, yeah, it sounded unbearable. But um, it was it was shot really well. Um, I thought the the story was pretty straightforward. Um, I did have some trouble differentiating between white guy number one and white guy number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially yeah. when the I, I could not. Was wet. Yeah, I could not keep them straight. Um, I I didn't know who was who sometimes, but but other than that, it, it was it was pretty fun. And, and like you said, they didn't didn't wait to see the monster. He showed up pretty quick. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it it this is the first time I've ever seen this movie, and I I really liked it. I, it was definitely also my favorite of the three. Um, the, the one thing I, I didn't like about the film, 
And I didn't realize it until this time because I was listening with my headphones on. Uh, and I don't know if any of you got a chance to watch that that making of documentary I, I sent y'all. I didn't get to watch um, The director insisted every time we see the monster that musical sting would play. Oh. That, da, da, da. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I noticed that, but it didn't. It didn't really bother it, me. It didn't bother me. Because At first, it just eventually was like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming all of you guys have seen The Shape of Water, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. So when it came out, they said that it was a spiritual sequel to this movie. And now, but at the time, I had not seen this movie. Now that I've seen it, I can totally see it. I can. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, because we presume that the we're supposed to presume that the creature is dead at the end, but we never actually see dead creature. You know, so my head canon says that these scientists went back to America, or were were, were they from America or were they from England, wherever America, and they yeah. uh, they go back and they turn in their reports and everything. And then another expedition comes back, and they end up catching him and taking him back, and then that's where a Shape of Water picks up. You know, I, I can I can headcanon that this is the same creature. You know, so mm. yeah. well in in Revenge of the Creature, they bring him back to like a Sea World type place, and the plan is to put him on display, uh, but he has other plans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and havoc ensues. <laughs> I give this movie uh, three and a half stars. I really liked it. I would recommend it. It's not... I mean, the movies that we're talking... This is supposed to be our monster movie review for Halloween. It's not It's not scary. You know, so... It's not really Halloween fair, in my opinion. But... Well, uh, okay. I've got I've to disagree with you there. Because you're you're looking at this film through the lens of the intervening hundred years or whatever. Oh yeah, where Jaws has happened in your childhood, and Freddy, Freddy Krueger is on lunchboxes and stuff like that. If you go back to 1950, whatever, uh, no one had done anything like this before. Uh, you know, the scene where Kay goes swimming. And the creature is swimming just like three feet below her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she doesn't know it. And we're getting that point of view from below of looking at her on the surface. Um, you know, Now go back and think about the first time you saw Jaws. And they, st- they used that. And Steven Spielberg did the same thing. Yeah. Where he put the camera in the water at the, you know, the, the view you get when you're swimming in the water. Or, or the view from below when, you're, when you've got the shark's POV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the scene where the creature is like, she's treading water, and he's just like, try, he's like, do I touch her? No, do I? Do I I'm going to touch her. And have you ever been in a lake and like <laughs> yeah. something touched your foot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, she was a hell of a lot more calm than I was the last time that happened. Yeah. I was like the coyote, you know, like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, where it's like my fingers were touching the water and I was six feet above it. Um, <laughs> You know, at that time, this movie was terrifying, and I think it's of the three. I think it's the scariest of the films because okay. it it plays into so many primal fears that we have as people. Every time I saw those guys jump into the water wearing nothing but a pair of trunks and an aqua lung, I'm like, dude, put on some freaking armor. <laughs> <laughs> and then when when 
the guy jumped, you know, it, they're, they're chasing it at night. And like, <laughs> one guy's got a flashlight and the other's like, I'll be right back. And he, I'm like, what the hell are you going to do <laughs> in the dark when the other guy's got the flashlight? This movie scared the bejesus out of me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate it? A five. Five. Okay. Yeah, right. this one gets perfect a five. Score. This is this is the perfect monster movie. This is the one that deserves to still be around okay. of the of the three. Maybe, may, you know, maybe compared to no, because if you watch Dracula or Frankenstein, Dracula and Frankenstein are good, but they have some problems. Um, you know, I I I love Dracula, but the ending is so goddamn abrupt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it just. It's just like, oh, we're done? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then Frankenstein... I could do a whole show on Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, um, see, both of those movies suffer from uh, re-edits during the Hayes Code because they, they used to, you know, we didn't have they didn't have VCRs, they didn't have DVD players, so if you wanted to see a movie again, you had to wait until it came back out. Mm-hmm. And and they would these movies would come out every every couple of years, and you could go watch them again. Well, after Dracula and Frankenstein came out post Hayes Code, they had to re-edit it and cut a, a bunch of stuff out. That's why Dracula ends so abruptly because they cut the original ending off, and then it's been lost since then. And then Frankenstein yeah. does the same thing when the, the the when he throws the little girl in the water. They don't do that in the re-edit. You know, they cut that out. Yeah. And it makes the next scene not make any sense, you know. So, I also I'm a huge fan of Mary Shelley's book, and you know the movie is so nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, granted that's not a fair criticism. They weren't trying to recreate the novel. Uh, now Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein that claimed to be doing it and didn't. That I have, you know, <laughs> screw him. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, I think you know that they're 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 good for their time, and they're certainly worthy of being classics. But I think Creature from the Black Lagoon is is head and fins above anything else that was done at the time. All right. John, what's your rating? Um, I'm gonna give it uh, um, four knockout pellets out of five. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I. I mean, you, you heard me raving about it. Um, I I don't really have anything bad to say about it, but it also doesn't strike that 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 uh, tuning fork that makes me give it a five either. Like, there's it's it's, but it's it is absolutely a great film, and it's easily the best of the three yeah. that we saw for this. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, you're you're right, Rick. It still it's it absolutely holds up, and it deserves to be the classic that it is. Alright. What about you, Troy? Uh, I'm also going to give it a four. Um, I really liked it. Um, like I said, it's my first time ever seeing it. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was engaging. Uh, I really liked the underwater shots. I thought that was, I, I would assume for the time, very innovative. Um, and, uh, I thought the, the monster, you know, that the way, like you were saying, the way he looked, I mean, it was just perfect what they were going for. And, um, yeah, and, and like you're saying, I don't think personally that it was scary, but I can understand for the time 
that it it probably was pretty pretty terrifying. So, um, but but you know that being said, a good movie is a good movie, and it and this one is a good movie, and it totally holds up. It's really good. And you I was I'm, I was just gonna say I I was really surprised that I I was not expecting there to be as much underwater footage as there was. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know part of my just ignorance about you know filmmaking of the time, but I I didn't know that they could do that at all. Certainly not as much. Yeah, you know because I mean almost I'd say at least a quarter of the movie, if not a third of the movie, is like on the water in the water. Yeah, mm-hmm. underwater. I was, I was and it and it looks great. It still looks great. Well, and something we haven't really touched on yet uh, is that this film was shot. For 3D. Yeah, yeah, it was. This, this was at. The oh, peak. I didn't know that. It yeah, was a, it was, was a version of 3D. Of... Yeah, it was a version of 3D yeah. that was kind of and... going out at the at the at the time that this came mm-hmm. out. It, it kind of came out at the wrong time because uh, the the 3D that it was using was really big in like 52. Or, or, when did this come out? 54. So like 52, 53. It was really, uh, it was really big, and then 3D was starting to kind of phase out at the end of 53, and this this comes out in 54, and they only released it in 3D in like the big cities. Some of the smaller towns just got the 2D version. Yeah, but it was shot in 3D because there was no, yeah. you know, there was no digital conversion at the time. Right. So yeah. they were doing all of this, you know, especially the the underwater work with two cameras, you know, wow. with a two camera rig. And it had to be projected with two projectors. And part of the reason 3D was going away is because if the projectionist didn't do it, didn't align the cam- the projectors just right, uh, then you got all kinds of ghosting and and uh, and and just weirdness that that ruined the film for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a- another thing that really impressed me is I'm a diver. Uh, uh, I'm a certified scuba diver and. A lot of times in films, the scuba diving is is incredibly unrealistic. Um, but they, you know, they at least gave a little bit of lip service to pausing to decompress before coming all the way up, which impressed me. Uh, yeah. no, nowhere yeah. near long enough, but of course they're you know you can't film a fifteen minute <laughs> decompression <laughs> stop. And I, and and they when they mentioned that I was like okay I guess we're gonna see that later, and we didn't really, but I kind of liked that we didn't. I like well, that it the wasn't the, the the standard. Well, okay, I guess they're mentioning it here, so I guess they're going to do this thing. It's going to be the blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, no, it was just that's what divers have to do to not yeah. die. Right. Yeah, which yeah. I was I very mean, impressed with. Right. I mean, I, I like that it wasn't that they didn't shoehorn it into a, a plot device. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting that too. When I heard him say that, I was like, okay, that's going to come back, but it, it never it never really did. But I was okay with that. Um there's just a couple of behind the scenes things that I wanted to mention before we uh, end the show. We had um, uh, let me lost my place here. Hold on. Okay, so in this film, the eyes of the creature were uh, were a fixed part of the rubber construction of the suit, and the actors who played the part of what they call Gilman, they call him Gilman. They could barely see if they could see at all. Uh, in the second movie, the eyes were replaced. Uh, with these large bulbous fish eyes so that the actor could see better and it didn't look as good but in this movie Julie Adams uh, stated that uh, in the scene where the creature's carrying her she had to have her eyes closed because she's supposed to be passed out 
he couldn't see where he was going. He just, <laughs> he just smacked his head into a, in, into the wall. Smacked her head. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, smacked her head into a wall. Scraped it up pretty good. And uh, rumor was that he knocked her out, but he didn't really uh, knock her out. Yeah, but. she she denies that. She says she was she she didn't get knocked out, but she did get a good bang in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I had was that they made a comedy piece for television where Abbott and Costello meet the creature, and it actually aired before the movie was released. So the first appearance <laughs> of the creature was in an Abbott and Costello uh, skit on TV. That's fine. <laughs> so. Was there was there an explanation as to why he killed everyone else, but he captured her? He was in love with her. That was kind of standard in those in monster movies because you know, there's a lot of these. Like when we did the sci-fi show a, a couple months ago, if you look at these posters, they're always like carrying a woman in their arms. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah but a lot. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know zero I know sense, but I'll, okay. Yeah, I know where where you're you're talking about, John. Because you're right; it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Why Why would the Gilman be attracted to a human? Right. I I could see if if this was like a uh, like a King Kong kind of thing, and and they had some kind of rapport. But I don't know that a fish would see a female human as as different from a male human. (laughs) He was just fascinated really? with her when she was swimming. I guess I don't. Know. Well, well, have you have you yeah. seen The Shape of Water? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. she. Well, we should do another show yeah. about that. I, I, I would I would say that is a. I, they established a relationship. Yeah, they did. They did. And I'm pretty sure she was a mermaid anyway. So that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that may that may be, that may be on this on our list by the time we get. To to the end of the list. Um, okay, so that uh, now one thing that Julie Adams uh, did say just along along these lines is that bathing suit she wore was made specifically for the film, and as she put it, it was considered to be rather risque for the time. She she wore it well. I can wore it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um. That does it for the, this episode. Uh, next month, we're going to get back to the IMDb list. So if you want to keep up with uh, with the movies that we're talking about, we're going to be talking about three more movies from that list. Number 85 is Pulp Fiction from 1994. Uh, number 84 is American Graffiti from 1973. And number 83 is The Graduate from 1967. So that's the three movies we're going to be talking about in November. So. I've seen two of those. I oh, have I. never seen American Graffiti. That's the only one that I have not Neither seen. Neither have I. So. Yeah, those are the... That's Yeah. You're right. going to watch it and you're going to go, oh, that that's where Happy Days came yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see. I already know that. That's... that's Yeah. I, I feel like uh, I feel like Virginia and Shane on this one. Like, yeah, I know all the tropes. I know all the beats and I know I've heard it discussed a lot, but I've never actually... Seen those. I've seen some scenes from it, but I've never seen the movie. You know what makes? And I've never seen The Graduate. You know the one thing about watching these three movies that we watch that we watch for this show. One thing that I'm happy of is that the Dark Universe got canceled because I'm not sure if I want to see. I don't mind seeing <laughs> remakes of these movies, but I don't know if I want to see remakes that they try to shove them into the same universe together. So. Mm. I, I it wouldn't. Nah. If they, I would be fine with it. I don't want to see the Wolfman and the creature. You know, together. 
I don't have a problem. But it's, I, I mean, like I didn't. I liked the Mummy. I thought it was. Yeah, that was that was a decent movie. I just fun. don't know if it would have kept being good after they started shoehorning more and more of these. I don't. I would not have minded the remakes. I just don't know if I wanted the remakes to be intertwined like that. I don't. I mean, I I didn't. I haven't even seen the Mummy yet, actually. But I I just, in concept. Um, I mean, how is that different from? know Buffy or Supernatural or any other show or series of movies or whatever where there's various magical creatures it's just that we happen to know this one yeah. <laughs> we happen to know the Bat Dracula we happen to know that Wolfman but you know there's lots of properties that have werewolves and vampires and mummies and all that stuff oh my yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> on that note let me thank everybody for being here Rick thank you very much my pleasure. And where can people find you? Over at simplysyndicated.com, Starbase 66, The Seven Chevron, Simply Syndicated Movie Quiz. That's where I'm at. All right. And Troy? Yeah, you can uh, find me at worldwarg.podbean.com or right here on cosmicpotato.com. All right. And John, as always. Yep. I'm. Uh... I host uh, Captain Game Show on the Cosmic Potato Network, as well as co-host um, Cosmic Potato, as you've just witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank everybody for listening. Come visit the website and the Facebook group and uh, check out all the shows that we have to offer there. Uh, if you want to know how to find it, just stay tuned for a second. Announcer Nate will let you know. And be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, You know, it sounds bad if you say that you want to blow someone up or set them on fire or shoot them just to watch them die. But that's like 80% of video games. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.